I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode 12. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So many good things to talk about this episode. Including our trip on the Tulsa Spirit Tour. Yes. Yes. And Tiff was really smart and... Um, took notes of oh my gosh. all the places that we went. I was we probably went, so. the only dork on the entire trip who had her phone out, not taking pictures, but right or typing in every single place we visited because we went to 19 places in we two did. hours. We did. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot it, of fun. I a lot of information. A great, yes, a lot of information. The only, my only complaint yeah. is that we there's two tours that they do s- during that night or mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. so we did the 6:30 tour yeah so it not that it felt rushed but it was kind of one of those things where it was kind of like we've got to go so we can get the information so that we can get back for the next tour and that's my only complaint because it was dark and sometimes the places that they were talking about was on the opposite side of the bus but you couldn't see it yeah and i think the 8:30 tour was is a little more laid back maybe i don't know you know it's not yeah. as rushed probably probably but that's my only complaint yeah so. I know. We visited some really great places and we couldn't see some of them, but we got a great feel for the spooky and kooky yeah. places around well, downtown Tulsa. Since you wrote them down, we can go back during yes. the day. Yes, yes. So, so we wanted to kind of give you a brief uh-huh. um, synopsis of all the places that we visited. Yeah. We started, we were picked up at the American Legion. Mm-hmm. But we actually started the tour at the Tulsa VFW, Mm -hmm. and it was a really cool thing. We heard a lot of great history, Mm -hmm. and um, I kind of talked to my husband about it. We (laughs) want to visit the next time. We kind of have like a date night downtown, and yeah, I kind of mentioned it might be haunted. And It was also, it used to be a speakeasy. I know. That's what's really cool. It's now like a bar that you can go to. Yes. And so... Um, I told him that. And then the second <laughs> place we went was, is a very well-known Tulsa <laughs> establishment. I have personally never visited there. I have not either. But there is now a part of me that kind of wants to go, <laughs> but only to visit the upstairs. If they let you. Yes, if they let me. Because it is the Midtown Adult Superstore. <laughs> it used to be a brothel. Uh-huh. And it is said that the upstairs still has the rooms that were brothel rooms. They're not currently brothel rooms, but the rooms are still up there. They're still the way that they were Mm -hmm. and supposed to be extremely haunted. Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of a fun place to go. Yeah. And it was like Tulsa's longest running brothel because I think it closed in like 1978 or something like that. I know. So maybe I just like cover my eyes. As I walk through, because I'm a giant prude, <laughs> and make it up the stairs, and hope I don't crap myself when I get scared. <laughs> <sighs> we discovered that the Blue Dome District oh, yeah. used to be Tulsa's red light district. <laughs> Thus, the Midtown Adult Superstore yes. is on that street. Yes. That used to be a brothel. And then we visited Red Light Chicken, which for many Tulsans, you mm-hmm. may know it as El Guapo. Yes. It also used to be a brothel. Yes. 
which is funny because I had my rehearsal dinner for my wedding there. Yeah. <laughs> brothel. Then you turn down the street and you drive past the rib crib downtown <laughs> and they mentioned, have you ever been inside and noticed that there's ramps everywhere? Well, I've never eaten at that one. I but haven't either. A lot of the people who were on the bus had and it's because that used to be the Tulsa County Mortuary. Yes. So the ramps were part of the pushing bodies up and <laughs> the down. The yes, yes. Uh, we then went by Gypsy Coffee House, and I think that was a place that had used to be or is supposed to be haunted now. Yes. Probably the most heavy, the most sentimental. Somber. T- somber, yes. Somber place that we visited were the vacant lots of mm-hmm. the um, Greenwood District. Yes. Uh, it's the spot where the affluent African Americans in yes. the 1920s 20s had lived. You can see where there are the stone steps that were supposed to lead up mm-hmm. to a very prominent front porch. Yes. And there is nothing there but a vacant lot or grass. Mm-hmm. For many of us, you know, one of the questions was, why has this area never been developed since then? But right. the moment we were there, you could just feel that heaviness in your heart that... The- it was, honestly, it kind of gave me chills a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. Not that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some spooky stuff oh, going I'm on. Sure. But like, just because knowing what happened there. Yes. And the heavy feeling that was there. And it was the fact just that eerie. It, it was, was an never eerie feeling. Redone. Right. Like, and it's still, it's, it's still, still like that. Still there. It was acres and acres of just grass. Mm-hmm. And these lots. With just these. In downtown Concrete Tulsa. steps. It was yes. just this eerie feeling. Yes. And then, you know, I saw like they had mentioned it, it kind of turned into like a tent city. And that was like heartbreaking, of course, yeah. at the same time. And part of me is like, do you know what was here? And yeah. What you're what you're what, housing yourself on. Yes. Yeah. Um, of course, that was connected to the Brady Heights neighborhood mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. So we got to see lots and lots of affluent, beautiful homes. Yes. That were in that neighborhood, including the former Tate Brady mansion. Yes. Uh, a current Dallas Cowboy owns it. <laughs> so, or I think I'm assuming it's a current Dallas. Dallas Cowboy football player. I have no idea. I you know remember. me. Yeah. I I don't keep up with sports <laughs> at all. I don't know if he's current or if he was a former, but a Dallas Cowboy yes. does own the house. Yes. It was funny that when she was mentioning it, she said that when she had talked to the realtors, they were mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 it's not haunted. Yeah. But every single person that had ever like lived or worked in that house were like, oh, yeah, it is yeah. haunted. And I'm glad we drove by there just mm-hmm. because I, I've i been curious about where he lived, what yeah. his house looked like, because as evil as he was, mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. still considered one of the founders of Tulsa. Exactly. And I've just been curious about what his house looked like Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. he pretty much owned Tulsa. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's said to be haunted by Uh him because he unalived himself in the mansion. He did. And then we then drove over to Owen Park, which is the home of the Sylvester Morris house, which happens to be the oldest house in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. I have been by that house numerous times on my way to visit the Discovery Lab Mm -hmm. there 
or the where the former Discovery right. Lab was. And I had seen it, mm-hmm. probably read the placard on it, and then <laughs> thought nothing else of it. Yeah. And then we heard a little bit of history about it yeah. and how Sylvester Mur- Morris was murdered. Yeah, and he was shot on his horse. On his horse, and he was like a minister. Yeah. And- well, and I honestly didn't really know anything about it, but when I mm-hmm. when we had got home that night, I was talking to my mom, like telling her all the some of the places that we stopped, and I mentioned this, and she's like, "Oh yeah, we've been there," and I was like, "What? When? <laughs> I don't remember that." Right. So of course that led into we found out the history of yes. OM Park, yes. and how it had used to like a oil, an oil uh, and gas site, or yeah, I oil, can't remember exactly the word. Like was there like a refinery? There's something like to a do with reserve the oil. kind yes, of thing. Yes. And anyways, there was a big explosion because yeah. the nitroglycerin houses were there. Yeah, a guy accidentally blew himself up. <laughs> Unalived himself in a yes. rather spectacular way. Yes. And so in order to reuse this giant crater in the ground, they <laughs> yeah. turned it into a swimming hole. Yes. But then, Why not? Wasn't there something about... There was that crater in the hole, but then like a little boy ended up drowning in it because it collected water and then they turned it into the swimming hole or did he drown in the swimming hole? Do you remember? I don't. I thought he drowned in the swimming hole, Maybe that I could definitely be wrong because I I don't don't 100% remember. So then we went by this Tulsa icon. Oh, yeah. The cave house, and I had never seen that in person before. I hadn't either. I hadn't either. And I, it's such an interesting I looking. Know, it's so its history is so fascinating. And yes, I am one of those people that's like, open up the wall, open up the wall, knowing full well that it's probably underwater, completely condemned, all sorts of grossness. Yeah. Growing in there. Well, and we don't want to talk too much about it because we could probably do an episode. I know. Yeah, exactly. But But I have reached out to the cave house to kind of schedule a tour. So I'm waiting to hear back. Yeah, they do do private tours if you reach out to them. We did learn that. And then we went by the Tulsa Theater, it's formerly mm-hmm. known as the Brady Theater. Yep. That is just a place where I have actually been to a concert there. However, of course, I didn't know that there was anything haunted there. And mm-hmm. during a concert, I don't think you would ever see anything that was haunted. But it is a place that I just, I'm fascinated with and I want to visit it. Yeah, I um, don't ever remember. I don't think I've ever been to a concert there. Yes. But I would love to go inside and just see it. Mm-hmm. It's really, I'm going to be honest, it's a very unassuming type Mm -hmm. theater. In fact, it reminds me of more of like a high school type theater. Oh, okay. But it's very, when we learned the history and what a terrible history it has. Yes. um, Yes, It's it's just... Oh, another place that we could definitely do an episode of. Absolutely. Because it's the history of Tulsa... And especially in the last hundred years. It's so dark. It's so dark. And it really does need to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, of course, went to Cane's. Yes. A ballroom yes. I've never been to, unfortunately. I have been to many a concert. I really there. want to go now. And a few of them were Hanson. <laughs> shout <laughs> yes. out to Hanson yes. there. Yes. Yes. We drove past Empire Slice, which we've both been to. Yes. Yes. I highly recommend going. It was good. I wouldn't like to go back. I would too because their pizza is delicious. But they mentioned that they're renovating the upstairs. Like the first time we went, they said that the upstairs were the same as it had been in the 1920s. 
Yeah. And now they're renovating. And of course, everyone knows during renovation, spookiness up to, you know, there's an yeah. uptick in spookiness. So. Well, and it used to be Yeti Bar. Yes. And I know back when it was Yeti, there was a lot of activity. Yeah. They said. And yeah. then once they kind of renovated it into the pizza parlor, it kind of stopped. Yeah. But recently we've heard it's picked, picked back up. up. And I'm sure so. that has to do with renovation. We drove past the BOK Center mm-hmm. in fascinating fascinating history about this i did not know this i don't know if you did well i think uh, just really quick when she talked about it i mean i didn't think about it mm-hmm. but then when she said something i was kind of like you know i think i do remember hearing about okay that, yeah but i didn't remember details so come to find out when they were constructing the bok center mm-hmm. they happened upon 12 coffins oh man can you imagine <laughs> being that person worst finding day that of stuff? work ever <laughs> They did a little bit of research, found out that this was the area of Tulsa's original cemetery. Mm -hmm. But then at one point, Oaklawn Cemetery became the official Tulsa Cemetery. And they were supposed to move all the coffins from there to Oaklawn. If everyone that knows anything about Mm -hmm. graveyards moving, they never, never, (laughs) never move all the coffins and In this case, it was one of them. Mm -hmm. And so they did end up moving all 12 of the coffins and putting them into Oaklawn. I'm I'm honestly kind of surprised it was only 12. Right. And I really want to be like, do we know who those people are? I know. I was kind of wondering (laughs) that myself. And who in their family thinks that they were like, I don't know. Moved but weren't. (laughs) Moved but weren't. And maybe they've been visiting just a blank piece of land (laughs) for all these years. Um, We then went to the Minks Adams building and the Mayo and the Atlas Life building, which were all great spooky ooky stories Mm -hmm. and they're beautiful buildings. Gorgeous. And we ended at the American Legion. Yep. That place was got a lot of spooky things happening. Yes. And of course, it is right next door to Oaklawn Cemetery itself. Which I didn't actually know where Oaklawn was. Yeah. So when I when I found that out, I was like, oh. I, okay. I knew where it was simply because one of my good friends had her engagement pictures took it taken there over at Woodward Park. Oh, yeah. And we had kind of traveled around looking and mm-hmm. I just stumbled upon, upon it. it. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, it's been in the news so much yeah, over the last two years. Well, and recently it's. Oh, yeah. Been because, you know, they've they're doing the excavations there and they started a week ago today yeah we were literally excavating there, so so yeah we were told we were going to get the opportunity to go inside yeah. of oaklawn which was really exciting yeah however the locks had changed on the mm-hmm. gate at oaklawn and jess and i are just assuming that it was yeah. probably due to the fact that they were back to excavating right and the archaeologist had been out there and they had just really started that day before well um, and for all those people out there who might not know what we're talking about oh, it's yeah, the yeah. excavations from the burials of the victims of the race massacre in yes. 1921 there's so. been lots and lots of rumors throughout the years mm-hmm. that 
mass graves were um, there at Oaklawn. Mm-hmm. And so they're just trying to find these bodies and right. put them in proper resting places, mm-hmm. which they 100% deserve. So yeah. um, they found 21 the last time they did it. And mm-hmm. so I think they've been looking this past week mm-hmm. and maybe I think 17 Yeah, I think that's yeah. what I've heard. I think may have already been found. And so they'll send them off to archaeologists mm-hmm. and um, they'll try to do some autopsies on them to determine right. if they can tell the only bad thing is uh-huh. the Spanish flu right. it had all been happened just been right in that time you know yeah. 19, 18, 19, 19, mm-hmm. 19 20-ish <laughs> and it's very difficult if there's not major skeletal damage right it's really hard to tell yeah. if the victims were of <laughs> a race the, massacre versus the flu, the flu. Mm-hmm. well do you have any other news, Jess? I do. Okay. Just really quick. So when this episode comes out, yes. it'll be on November 11th, which oh. we all know is Veterans Day. Yes. Happy Veterans so, Day. Yeah. Just wanted to say happy Veterans yes. Day to um, all the veterans out there. And mm-hmm. you and I personally both have people in our immediate we family. We have our own veterans. That yes. are veterans. Both That's of them right. Marines. So yes. shout out to <laughs> Uncle Brian and yes. my brother James. My dad. And for 21 years, so my coworker Ruben was in the army. He doesn't yes. listen to the podcast, <laughs> but I'll go ahead and mention his name because his go. girlfriend does. So yay, yay. boom! Thank you, Ruben. Um, of course, our grandfather. Our grandfather was, was in the veteran. army. Yes, and uh, uh, there's several others. I have mm-hmm. another cousin that was in the Coast Guard. Yeah. So just oh, thank fun. you so much yes. to all of you veterans out there. We love you. We appreciate yes. you. We support We're you. Thankful for and you. We are very thankful for the service that you yes. that you did for our country. So yes. thank you. My dad's uh, youngest brother served 33 years in the Navy. Oh, wow. And he retired in 2020. And so we thank him. That's my Uncle Chris. Yes. Thank you very much. Yes. And then, of course, my cousin James, your brother. Yes. And my husband, both his uncle David mm-hmm. was a Vietnam veteran and his grandfather was a World War II veteran. Oh, wow. Well, our great grandfather was a World War One veteran. Yes. yes. So we have, I'm, I, we're, I know we're not the only ones who oh, have yeah. family members, oh, but yeah. those are just the, the personal yes. ones that we know. So we just wanted to. Yes. Shout say them thank out, you. say thank you, and thank you for all you've done. Yeah. So that's all I've got. Yeah. Jess, yeah. do you want to start today? I do want to start first. I was going to request to start first <laughs> because... It's a paranormal episode. It is, and we're going to make the people listen to mine first so that they have to stick around for yours, which will be the better story. (laughs) Mine might give you the willies. I'm not going to Mine will not. (laughs) Typing my notes up, I was like, woo, I forgot about that. Woo, I forgot about that. Well, not saying that my topic isn't interesting. It's very fascinating, Mm -hmm. and I love this place, but... The spook factor, not, <laughs> not, <laughs> not be there. there. So that's okay. But I'll, I'll go ahead and get started. We'll dive right in. <laughs> I'm doing the Philbrick Museum of Art. <laughs> so one of my, my favorite places in Tulsa. Oh, it is absolutely one of my favorites. So um, sources: Villa Philbrick brochure, which I believe it's written by Tom Young. I got it at the museum when I visited my last time, and it was full of information, and I liked it a lot. Uh, Beyond the Hills: The Journey of Wait Phillips by Michael Wallace. OKHauntedHouses.com. Green Country Ghosts: Urban Legends Across Tulsa 
by Emily Ferris from Channel 2 News, Oklahoma on October 22nd, 2021 from KJRH.com. So here's some background for us. Philip Philbrook was a child of the 20s. World War I was over. Women had the vote. And it was the time of flappers, rumble seats, prohibition, bootleggers, and five-cent Cokes. Hmm. <laughs> Fun fact, sure. if you want to call it that. Um, I didn't know what a rumble seat was, so I looked it up. I don't think I know what one is either. So just picture <laughs> just one kidding. of those old kind of timey cars that the trunk pulls out. Oh, into another seat. Oh, okay. That okay. was called a rumble seat. Oh, so I had no idea. The more you know. Right. So in Tulsa, it was a time of unprecedented prosperity because the oil. Uh-huh. Tulsa in the 20s smelled of oil and abounded in money. So that was one of the <laughs> quotes in the thing. And I was nice. like, that's funny and nice. true. Oil is what brought Wait Phillips to Tulsa in 1918. He had worked some years with his brothers, Frank and L.E. in Bartlesville, which in this area, if you hear the word Phillips, you you, you think. You know, especially <laughs> if you hear Frank Phillips. Yes. So very well-known names if around you know, here. you know, Yes. He wanted to make his own fortune. Okay. So Wait Phillips was born to Lucinda and Louis Phillips on January 19th, 1883. His family lived on a 40-acre farm one mile east of the Taylor County town of Conway in southwestern Iowa. Here's a kooky fact. <laughs> Wait Phillips had an identical twin brother. Oh. Which I didn't even know that. I well, I really only know bits and pieces about Frank Phillips is the only yeah. one that I really know about. I forget that Philbrook... Was they're all related. Yeah, they're all related. I mm -hmm. forgot about that. Lucinda and Lewis had long decided what they would call them if they were both boys. They named the first twin Wyatt, which, just keep this in mind, it's spelled W-A-I-T-E. Okay. And it comes from the British. I'm going to mess this up. <sighs> I'm not even going to try. British. It's G-Y. Or no, I'm sorry. G-W-Y. It's, I tried listening on the pronunciation, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. It, yeah, it was like, why? 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 It means water. The second twin, they reversed a, a couple of the same letters and called him Wait. So his name is W-A-I-T-E, and it comes from Old English Wade, meaning road. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, that's an interesting way to say Wyatt and Wait. They're interesting names. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Wait Phillips bought leases west of Okmulgee and struck rich pools. With the addition of refineries, transportation, and retail sales, he created the Wait Phillips Company. He soon moved his headquarters to Tulsa and he purchased 64 acres of farmland just south of the city. It was undeveloped piece of land transected north to south by Crow Creek. Out of the original purchase, 23 acres became Philbrook and the rest became Rockbridge Residential Development. Villa Philbrook, as it was called, mm -hmm. was designed in 1926 by Edward Bueller Delk, a Kansas City architect. Construction began that year with the John Long Company of Kansas City as general contractor and okay. Tolson Henry Lohman as building contractor. Villa Philbrook was completed the following year in 1927. It boasted three levels, 72 rooms, extensive gardens, and 
the house totaled 32,000 square feet. So, I mean, I guess I've been there, so I know. Yeah. So here's another cookie fact. It's massive. It is massive. As I mentioned just now, Edward Delk was the architect of Philbrook. Mm-hmm. Wait Phillips was so impressed by his perspective drawings that Phillips hired him for not one, but three major projects wow. at the same time. Oh, geez. So there was Villa Philbrook. Wow. Villa Philmont, which oh, is yes, the yes, Phillips's yes. residence on their 127,000 acre ranch in Cimarron, New Mexico. Yes, yes. And then the Phil Tower office building in downtown Tulsa, which is still there. And yes. it's a beautiful building. Oh. So wait, and his wife, Genevieve. I had my bridal pictures. Have I told you that story? Oh. My bridal pictures were taken in that building. Uh-huh. And yeah, you can get mad at me all you want now, but it was almost <laughs> 10 years ago. So I can't do anything. My pictures were already taken there. <laughs> but we went there to get mm-hmm. my, because I that's where I wanted. I wanted my pictures taken in downtown Tulsa, mm-hmm. and I wanted them taken in that building. So we get there the people are like oh no 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 no! we do not allow people to take pictures in here anymore if they get hurt or something and I'm like I'm literally going to be standing just under these beautiful arches mm-hmm. in the ceiling so oh that's something that we talked about on the on the Tulsa tour the spirit tour too that if you want to get oh, into yeah. the building uh-huh. you go through the coffee house well I got in to the building because <laughs> yes my bridal pictures are taken in that building and I got got in because there is a salon a hair salon there yeah. on the side and I went in and I asked may we use your bathroom to change into my wedding dress and they were like oh my gosh yes of course of course <laughs> so we get in there and I change into my wedding dress and we look around the corner and there is an open door into <laughs> that building uh-huh. and I'm like hmm what's that <laughs> if we just slipped in here, uh-huh. are they going to say anything to us? Uh-huh. So we got my photographer, we snuck him in, <laughs> and we just slipped through that crack. And in 10, 15 minutes or so, snapped a ton of pictures in that beautiful, uh-huh. just, it's just in the down, the first floor. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a lobby. Mm-hmm. It's just in there. And then just walked out like, oh yeah, I'm finally dressed now. <laughs> and then got a bunch of my pictures taken in downtown Tulsa. So my bridal pictures were taken in there even though they weren't supposed to be tiff the criminal oh man anyway sorry i interrupted you no you're fine wait and his wife genevieve took many trips to europe and wanted to incorporate various style ideas and furnishings that they had found during these trips for villa philbrick so a lot of the stuff that they just And I kind of think the reason why they had gone was Mm -hmm. specifically to get ideas for this house. Yeah, I think you're right. Because when I went, I went for a workshop one day and we got a lot of the history uh of the Philbrook Museum as a home when it was a home before it was Mm -hmm. a museum. And yeah, you're right. And a lot of that design work can still be seen today. Yes, yes. Uh, the architectural inspiration and features adapted to Villa Philbrook came from a wide range of sources. Sources such as the Great Mediterranean port- Ports of Call, which I don't even know what that is. Do you? Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like a Mediterranean look is a style of... Because, you know, there's that part of the house where you walk down where the fountain is inside, and that's very Mediterranean-ish mm-hmm. in my mind. And so maybe that's what it means. Like, you know, yeah. the tiled yeah. wall. Uh-huh. 
I don't know what those are called. Design. <laughs> I, don't I obviously am not an <laughs> art person. <sighs> Me neither. But so influence came from Mediterranean port of calls, ancient Italian Renaissance cities, French yes. nightclubs, and Baroque villas. Yes. Villa Philbrick was constructed with a steel frame and reinforced concrete walls and floors. The exterior stucco walls glitter due to the inclusion in their fabric of ground white marble, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that is. So fancy. Yeah. The corners of the walls are outlined in Casoto limestone from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Travertine. I don't know if that's travertine or travertine. 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 No idea. And other fine marbles were used in the interior for floors, fireplaces, and fountains. Teak, walnut, and oak were used for general flooring. And the finest quality silken fabrics were used for wall coverings, draperies, curtains, which were all purchased and acquired by the Phillipses in Italy during their European travels. Ooh la la. Pretty, pretty fancy. Oh, yes, yes. The main floor consisted of the great hall, a living room, formal dining room, and a breakfast room with a fireplace. Mm -hmm. Across the hall were some of the family's favorite spots, the library and study. Mm -hmm. Down the long hall is a music room. And I'm going to read this little blurb for you really quick because I got quite the kick out of it. And um, it's from Michael Wallace's book, Beyond the Hills, The Famous Journey of Waite Phillips from Chapter 25, Villa Philbrick, page 221. So just give me one second. I have it marked. I found this so funny. Okay. Down the wall hall in the music room, the wall panorama created by Philadelphia mural painter George Gibbs depicted a flock of dancing maidens clad in flimsy tunics. They seemed to move according to the four musical tempi whose names were inscribed below the murals. Okay, I'm going to butcher these because I'm not Italian. Adante. Adante. Rondo. Rondo. Allegro. Allegro. And Scherzo. Scherzo. Like I said, I'm not Italian. I probably butchered that. Originally, the ladies in the mural appeared totally nude. But when Waite wondered what his mother would think of such a display (laughs) when she visited, it was decided to have the artist paint frocks on the dancing figures. (laughs) I don't know. That just kind of cracked me up. That's funny. (laughs) Because you like, well, most, a lot of art, especially Renaissance type art, the ladies are naked. Yeah. just kind of because his, his mother was visiting he didn't want to insult ladies, her we ladies had those delicate sensibilities. temperaments and sensibilities <laughs> in the 1920s it was just funny and i got a kick out of it so i had to read it the suite of southwestern style rooms in the basement housed the family's large native american collections and other trophies such as mounted buffalo and elk heads Furnished in bright Western and Indian motifs, furniture, rugs, and art, and the comfortable club room, club, club rooms, (laughs) club rooms, allowed Waite to escape the tension of his business life and pretend he was in the West. (laughs) So really quick, I'm going to talk about the gardens. They are probably one of my favorite things about Philbrook. Oh, absolutely. They are gorgeous. Beautiful. Beautiful. The East Terrace of Villa Philbrick looks out over a walled garden, ramping down to more informal gardens. Below, a waterfall and rock garden lead to a rustic pool. On a knoll in the distance stands a small classical, here we go with those Italian words, tempetio? Tempetico? Yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> Directly in the center line of the upper terrace, woods and cops edge a natural stream and gentle slopes cover most of the remaining land. So, 
It forms a line south of the house, a narrow avenue of confers leading to a small loggia, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know what a loggia was, so I looked it up. (laughs) And it's just, it's a gallery or a room with one or more open sides, especially one that forms part of a house and has one side open to the garden. So it's just an open-sided extension to the house so pretty there. It is really pretty. At the foot of the rock garden and informal garden in the 18th century English manor, focused on a series of two reflecting pools. The second larger one, an irregularly shaped swimming pool, uh, is now reduced, has been reduced in depth, which I didn't realize that that, that was the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Here's another kooky fact. Ooh. Or two, actually. While the Phillips's family was in residence at Philbrook, remnants of oil and gas wells around the property produced enough gas to be used on occasion as flares, which served as a reminder of Philbrook's origin. And I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. So the gardens and the surrounding grounds remained essentially unchanged until 2002 when Tulsa landscape design firm Howell and Van Curen, what a name that is, prepared final construction documents fully honoring the master plan created by the garden's original designers, Hare and Hare, for a major renovation of Villa Philbrook's surrounding landscape. When the approval and support of Elliot Phillips, which was Wade Phillips' son, the $7 million project was completed in 2004. By the time Villa Philbrook was completed in 1927, the cost for the residence alone was $597,000. The gardens and extensive landscaping came to an additional 129000 and the sums added to the cost of the furnishings came to a grand total of $1,191,000, which is roughly... I was going to say, is that, that's 1920 money, not... Yeah, so... 2022. Roughly money. today, that would be $20 million. <laughs> so... Wow! Yeah. Friends of Waite and Genevieve Phillips say that they had lived in Villa Philp or they had Villa Philbrook built as a place where their two children could entertain friends. Yeah, I would hope so. Well, with 72 rooms. In 1927, when the family moved in, daughter Helen was 16 and son Elliot was 10. However, just 11 years after establishing Villa Philbrook as their home, after Helen had married and Elliot had moved to New York, the Phillips family surprised Tolsons and those who built Philbrook by donating the 72-room mansion and surrounding 23 acres of grounds for the purpose of creating an art center. (laughs) When Will Rogers visited Philbrook for the first time, he said, well, I've been to Buckingham Palace, but it hasn't anything on Wade Phillips' house. (laughs) Really, Will? Really? (laughs) That's, that's... Okay. (laughs) From Will Rogers right there. All right. (laughs) Prior to Villa Philbrook opening up as an art center, all rooms were slightly modified to create gallery spaces. However, certain spaces still retain their original aura to this yes. day. Yes. So especially the the Great Hall and Staircases, mm-hmm. the library, the music room, the formal living room, and the Santa Fe room all on yes. the lower floor. Go see a little piece of history. The it's Villa f- free yeah. for well, children 17 and under. We'll get into that. <laughs> the Villa Philbrook opened as the Philbrook Museum of Art on October 25th, 1939. Since then, it has been home to the most inspiring examples of natural, architectural, and artistic beauty in Tulsa. 
Wade Phillips died at the age of 81 on January 27th, 1964. And on December 1st, 1978, Philbrook was added to the National Register of Historic Places. So now for the spook spook. Here we go. This art museum is said to have creepy statues that have eyes that (laughs) follow visitors. And if you look close enough, you may notice their heads actually turning. I didn't experience that, but the (laughs) statues are kind of creepy. (laughs) Other reports include lights that turn on by themselves up and down the halls when no one is around. And here are some stories that people have posted. Quote, (laughs) I went to the museum for a church field trip. We were walking down the hallway on the second floor when something touched my right shoulder. But when I looked back, nothing was there. Oh, no. Second story. Quote, as a child, I went to the museum for a field trip. I felt so uneasy the entire time as if there was this unseen presence. Felt creepy the entire time. Felt extremely uncomfortable until we left. I just felt it was haunted. Never saw anything, but definitely (laughs) felt it. Never really mentioned it until now. And lo and behold, I see the museum on here as a haunted location in the city. So I've been several times. Yes. Never experienced any kind of creepy factor. I've never felt uncomfortable there. I've been twice and never felt anything. Not saying that these people didn't feel uncomfortable, but I'm just saying me personally, I have never felt anything (laughs) except... And it doesn't have any dark history to it at all. No. Not saying that places that don't have dark history don't necessarily have spooky, ooky spirits Mm -hmm. that attach to them, but... Nothing crazy crazy has happened there. Channel 2 News Oklahoma interviewed one of our favorite paranormal authors, Terry French, founder oh. of the Tulsa Spirit Tours. Hey, Terry. She said that Philbrick's hauntings or otherwise are at best just an urban legend. She said, and I quote, anybody can look at a painting and feel the eyes are following you. <laughs> That's pretty natural. Actually, last time I went, I had staff tell me they wished they were haunted because they would have loved for me to bring tours there. Philbrook may may serve as the perfect backdrop to a haunted story, but all it is is just really open to interpretation, just like it's art. So (laughs) the Philbrook, I know, the Philbrook Museum of Art can be located at 2727 South Rockford Road, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74114. Their hours are Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5, Thursday, 9 9 a.m. to 5, Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sunday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And they're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. The admission, general admission, is $12. Seniors who are 62 and above, college students with valid ID, groups of 10 plus with reservation and veterans, cost is $10. Museum members, youth 17 and under, active duty military with valid ID, college students attending, it's free to get in. So if you've never been, I know you and I Mm -hmm. both highly recommend that you go. Um, There's so much to do there. It's beautiful. It's one of my personal favorite places Mm -hmm. in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. They constantly have events that are going on all the time. All the time. They have a restaurant. Yes, it's very tasty. Go check out Philbrook. Also, um, if you are an educator, uh you can also get a free yearly membership. Nice. Very nice. I have one. 
If you want to learn more, just go check out their website, which is philbrook.org. And make sure to check out all their socials as well. So. That's right. And if you're ever in downtown Tulsa doing something spooky, you can stop at the Philbrook downtown because they have like an extension museum or something downtown. Oh, do they? Yeah. I don't and, think I've ever um, been. They, I, I've never been either, but I've heard tons about it. And it's just little tiny things that they have there. Mm. Well, even though it wasn't kooky or spooky, it was really great to learn about a great well, I hope, here in Tulsa. I hope people found it interesting because there sure was so much more I probably could have added or put mm-hmm. in there. There's so much history and especially about the Phillips's family. It would my, be cool to take a dive into their family. Oh, yeah. Well, in my she's one of my very best friends, Belen. Mm-hmm. She had requested earlier when we like, I think it was like the second episode, she asked me if we were going to be doing the Philbrick Museum. And so this is one's kind of for her. She kind of had a rough week. So we're thinking about you, Belen. We are thinking about you, Belen. I love you. She's my oldest friend. And so this one was really kind of for her. So anyway, well, let's hear it. I hope yours is more spooky than mine. Are you ready? I am so ready. I don't know. I have to drive home later. So Cousins, (laughs) I am reporting on the Stone Lion (laughs) Inn. (laughs) I want to do one of those mystery dinners. We are doing this. After all this research, we are doing this. And I'm going to say it right now. If anyone, any listeners, yes, want to go with us, yes, let's do this together. Because we can do, I think you can reserve to do a group yes, dinner, yes. mystery dinner thing, It would be thing, great. Right? And then we're going to stay the night there. Oh, gosh. Yes, we're going to stay the night there. In the we're same doing. room, I hope you know. Okay, me and you are. <laughs> yes. So, yes, I am doing the Stone Lion Inn of Guthrie, Ooh. Oklahoma. I'm so excited because I've heard about it and I've listened to Eerie Oki's episode on the yes. Stone Lion. But other than that, I really don't know mm-hmm. much of about any of it. If you are a paranormal person or uh-huh. a person who loves paranormal things and you live in Oklahoma, you know about the Stone Lion. Uh-huh. It is probably in so many resources. It will tell you it is the most haunted place in Oklahoma. Yeah. So... Uh, we'll start with my sources. I used the book, and I'm going to link the book in um, mm-hmm. our show notes. Eerie, Oklahoma by Heather Woodward. Haunted, Oklahoma by Jeff Provine. <laughs> Ghost and Legends of Oklahoma by Mike Ricksecker. And, of course, I went to the thestonelionin.com. Mm-hmm. There are so many podcasts that you can listen to. I list, I've listened to a few of them. I tried not to listen to any mm-hmm. recently, yeah. knowing that I was going to be covering the Stone Lion, and I just didn't want my research to come uh-huh. to sound like it was coming from another right, right, um, right, right podcast. So first, we're going to talk about the history. Okay, it is located at 1016 South Warner Avenue in Guthrie, Oklahoma, USA. Mm-hmm. It was built in 1907 by the Hufton family. It is three stories or four floors, including oh no. The basement. A basement. Oh, it is approximately 4,000 square feet. It was built next door to the original home. The family had outgrown their original home, mm-hmm. so they built this new home. Is it the is- original home still I don't standing? know. That was something I was wondering, too. And I nothing I read mentioned it still uh-huh. standing, but there's a great possibility that it could be still standing. Did you mention when it was built? 1907. Okay. Apparently, I'm not listening. <laughs> Thanks, 1907. Okay. Uh, it is now a bed and breakfast that holds weekly murder mystery events. 
Yeah. There are six suites, a library, parlors upstairs and downstairs, oak-paneled dining rooms, and Adam-styled staircase. It also still has the early 20th century decor still uh, in it. Did you say Adam's style? Yes. Did you I explain what that, that is? I believe that means that it just kind of, it's not like a sweeping big staircase. It's oh, just okay. like a staircase that goes like straight up oh, okay. into the rooms, like straight up, turn, straight up. Uh-huh. Sorry, I just I okay. didn't know. I never heard that. It is located on the west side of Guthrie. You wouldn't know. Jess and I, when we went to mm-hmm. do our Guthrie mm-hmm. spirit tour, yeah. we were there really early. <laughs> we so were. we drove around Guthrie just looking at different places. Uh-huh. And this was one of them that we looked at. And it did take us a hot minute to find. It. Yeah. And it looks like it's in the middle of a neighborhood. It's very yeah, it's unassuming. And then there's just this little tiny sign that says Stone Lane in outside. Yeah. <laughs> so we should have just got out and like went up there and just been like, can we just look around for a minute? Yeah, hindsight. <laughs> it's located on the west side of Guthrie, and to build it at the time in 1907, it cost $11,900, which in today's money would be about $360,000. Oh, wow. So that's kind of a bargain for yeah. a 4,000 square foot home. In the beginning, or <laughs> when God created the earth. <laughs> All right, so here's kind of the history, some more history about the particular family that lived there. Okay. Fred E. Hoofton arrived in Oklahoma Territory in 1889. A kooky fact, he arrived on the second train to ever run in Oklahoma Territory. Oh, interesting. Yes. Hooten was the founder of his Hufton or Hoofton. I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Was the founder of Cotton Oil Company. He also was the founder of the first car dealership here in Oklahoma. It was F.E. Hooten Motor Company. Oh, interesting. Yes. He was a member of the first city council of Guthrie. He installed the first waterworks, street surveying, and built a school in such in Guthrie. Oh, wow. In 1909, Hoofton was accused in the cotton gin cases. It was a grand jury indictment which accused businessmen of being a part of this group vying for control and regulation of the cotton business in Logan Mm -hmm. County. The case ended up getting dismissed, but it's kind of just like a footnote in his history. When the Hooftons moved into their new home, five more children followed. Oh, wow. And this kind of brought their total up to 12 children that Mr. and Mrs. Hoofton had. Oh, my goodness. Okay. In 1920, there was kind of a financial crisis that happened. The cotton crop here in Oklahoma was hit with bow weevils. Yeah. And the family leaves the house house in Guthrie for their home in Enid, Oklahoma, because they had a store in Enid. So they went to go live in that house. So during this time, the house was rented out to the Smith Funeral Home and was used as a funeral parlor for eight years. So they still owned it? They just Yes, they just leased it to the funeral home. And the Smith family actually lived on the third floor. The kitchen was the place where embalmings took place. The kitchen. Uh Uh-huh. And the basement (laughs) was used for the mortuary. Oh, gross. In the 1930s, the Hoofton family returns to the home in Guthrie. In 1943, Mr. Hoofton dies in the home two weeks after suffering a stroke. It is believed that he died in the room off the kitchen on the first floor. Hmm. Bertha Hoofton, or Mrs. Hoofton, decides at this time to turn the home into a rooming and boarding house. She's now a widow. Her children were all grown and gone, so she needed something to occupy her time and probably to bring her a little bit of money. Yeah, I was going to say probably bring in income somehow. And it was pretty lucrative. In 1958, she passes away. The Hoofton children do keep the house 
in the family until they too become too old to actually take care of it. Mm -hmm. The Walker family then purchases it. And I didn't write down the date that they purchased it. But in 1986, the Walker family sells to Becky Luker, who purchases the home for herself and her two sons with the plans to turn it into Oklahoma's first bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. A kooky fact, upon purchasing it, she did not know that the house had once been a funeral parlor. (laughs) Yeah, I don't see that being advertised. <laughs> yeah, it probably much. wasn't. Uh, the bed and breakfast really had a rocky start. It started failing. The economy was crappy. The house was just said to be creepy and customers claimed to have unusual experiences while there. So it kind of started to carry this stigma that it wasn't a cool place to be Uh so all of this leads Luger to create the murder mystery dinner theater and this ended up being exactly what was needed for the old home because it was an instant success Mm -hmm. so in 1989 the Daily Oklahoman wrote an article called the Guthrie Homes Ghostly and after that article was written 11 more bed and breakfasts opened in Guthrie and then in 2006 The Ghost Hunters TV show visited the (laughs) inn with the Atlantic Paranormal Society and the Oklahoma Paranormal Research and Investigation team. Oh, interesting. You ready for the ghost? (laughs) I wish they could see my face. She's giving me this look. So one daughter is believed to have passed away in the house. It had been widely believed to be a daughter named Augusta Hooten. Mm-hmm. Later on, though, it was discovered that Augusta was alive and actually had lived to an old age. Just imagine being that ghost and being like, I'm not Augusta. I, I literally wrote that in here. I said, in fact, when the ghost hunters, the show, were investigating the house, they determined that the ghost was not Augusta. I don't know how, but they determined it there. Um, it was speculated that the child's death could have happened in the Hooten's previous home and simply followed the family to their new home when they moved into it. It moved into what is now the Stone Lion Inn. Mm-hmm. It is widely reported that the child that did die in the Hoofton home was accidentally overdosed on cough medicine. Mm. A maid gave the child opium-laced cough syrup. And of course, during this time, many drugs like cocaine and opium and heroin, heroin were used for medical purposes. Mm-hmm. And not knowing that they were addictive and probably most likely worse for your body than right, the actual illness right, was. Right. So she gave the child this cough syrup. She gave the child this cough syrup and she died. Uh. <laughs> the Hooten family did have a newborn die at one time. However, the ghost that is said to haunt the house is that of a child named Irene. Mm. So Irene was present in the 1910 census. However, by 1920, in that census, her name did not show up in it. It's thought that she is the child that is actually haunting. And the ages would be right and the size mm-hmm. of the apparition that people have seen would be right. And in fact, in 1916, there's a picture of Mrs. Houghton and four of the children were pictured mm-hmm. in the paper. Irene was not one of the children. In fact, the picture included two of the children born just prior to Irene oh. and two of the children born right after her. Oh, interesting. So that's where it's coming to think that she was the child that was probably uh, her had passed away in the home. So let's talk about Irene. Okay. Come on, Irene. 
That's a good she is said to be a little girl in a mm-hmm. long dress. She was mistakenly called Augusta for years. <laughs> How terrible would it be that you're called your sister's name even in the afterlife? <laughs> like, I mean, so they're saying she was called Augusta like, they, while she was alive? No. Or, while okay, she was yeah. already gone. Uh, when okay. they first started seeing ghosts, they yes. were like, oh, it's Augusta. And you're like, no, I'm Irene. I'm Irene. <laughs> well, you feel <laughs> bad for sister, both of them because know, Augusta's like, si- what am I, chop flipper? I know. It's like whatever sister, every sister, every child's dreadedness is when they're called their sibling's name. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here's a fun fact or interesting. Um, there was one time... My mom was trying to talk to me or call my name for some reason. I'm the only girl, by the way. I'm the only <laughs> girl. And I think she first called me James. Then she called me Jeff. And then she called me Jeffica. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I feel you, girl. <laughs> I mean, my mother will be on the phone with me. My mother called me uh-huh. and she'll call me my sister's name. I mean, I can't talk because my niece, I have a niece named Ava and then a niece named Anna. And <laughs> I constantly will call one oh, the I other. Call my and boys. they're 10 years apart. Yeah. Oh, so. I call my boys my <laughs> husband's name part of the time. <laughs> so anyway, back to Irene. Yeah, sorry. She is said to awaken sleepers by patting their faces with her tiny child hands. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't touch me, Irene. No. The chandelier bulbs will flash when her name is mentioned. So we are totally trying this when we go. So she can pat us on the face no, at so night? No, we, we just want the bulbs to flash. I don't want her to touch me. I will not be sleeping. That's all That's I can say. That's her one either. Um, other ghosts that are said to haunt the house is a man in a top hat. He's said to be seen in the mirror of the parlor suite. Oh, <laughs> um, Figures and shadows are spotted in, you know, the, the only place that they should ever be spotted in. The basement. The basement, yes. Oh. There have been light anomalies in the parlor suite. Uh, there have been odd heat signatures in this room. Like they saw it on a bed and it was just the head. Nobody. no Mm -mm. a voice has been heard saying get out in the kentucky daisy suite along with high emf readings in that same room shadows are said to move around the wedding suite how romantic is that (laughs) the ghosts love to play with electronics shadows are reported to dart from the door to the bathroom in the lucille mulhall suite and as usual doors open and close by themselves here's a kooky fact okay during the renovations of the property in the 1980s the luger family was actually living in the home the they constantly heard footsteps and movements coming from the third floor and back staircase at one time luger herself called the police several times thinking someone was actually inside the house and Mm -hmm. of course nothing and nobody was was ever found luger's son would leave his toys in one of the rooms on the third floor Uh he would even prop stuff up against the door just to keep them open and they would slam shut his toys would be played with and left all over the room when he would know that he had left them picked up and put in specific spots he even at one point accused his mom of rearranging his things He went so far as to put a lock on the door, but would often find it opened and unlocked. And he, I believe, is the only son that has claimed that he's actually seen the apparition of what is assumed to be Irene, the little girl. No. And Justice is is your favorite part. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't like that laugh. (laughs) 
Antique... don't want to hear it. <laughs> yes, you do. Okay. Antique dolls. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, Antique dolls that the Hooten girls played with could be found covered up with blankets. Luger had two sons, so you know they weren't playing with the dolls, let alone old-timey ones. Gross. <laughs> Why? This is where some say that maybe Augusta is actually one of the spirits that could be in the home. Luger's closet used to be her playroom, and so that would explain all the toys being slung about. However, Irene, we believe, is the one who passed away in the home. So it is speculated that perhaps Augusta could have enjoyed her time so much in the home mm-hmm. that she did choose to come back to it when but she did But why would they away. cover their own dolls with She's playing with them. Maybe they were cold, Jess. Oh, gross. They just wanted to snuggle. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Now back to that basement. Oh. It is thought to be a man in the basement who emits a smell of smoking tobacco when he's around. He's fancy. He wears a top hat and an old-fashioned black suit. Even in death, he is dressed to the nines, which I have a side note. When I die, if I have to haunt someplace... I want to be dressed to the nines as long as it's not uncomfortable. If it's uncomfortable, then you better put me in my yoga pants and a sweatshirt. Because <laughs> I'm not trying to be uncomfortable as a ghost. Just saying. Oh, man. Um, this spirit is sometimes believed to be um, Effie Hooten himself. The smell of pipe smoke. And my question, is pipe smoke different than tobacco smoke? I don't know. Is it different? Well, when they think of tobacco smoke, it could be the ones that they used to have to roll. Oh, okay. And the paper. Okay. I didn't but, know there was a difference. Um, I don't know. Maybe it just kind of mm-hmm. has a, because maybe. it's put in a pipe, maybe the pipe from, you know, whatever wood it was made of, maybe yeah. gave off a different kind of smell. I don't yeah, know. I don't maybe. know anybody who smoked a pipe. Me neither. So anyways, they are thought that F.E. Hooten himself is the one, is this man. Mm-hmm. He was a very fancy man. He was known to smoke. But the smell of that pipe smoke mm-hmm. will drift to other parts of the house thinking that it is Hooten checking on his family or making himself known to guest mm. one of those this man is said to be at times intimidating and overbearing and Great, you know, just what we need is it Hooten or perhaps another man from the funeral home days oh gross here's a kooky fact well i mean if it was he for a funeral he he would probably be oh yeah he'd probably dressed. be fancily dressed too yeah here's a kooky fact in 2005, a psychic said the man's name is Edward. He Edward. Loves, yeah. He loves cigars and died of lung cancer. Mm. He doesn't want to go to the other side because, hold on to your butts here, he enjoys staying here and messing with female guests oh. by <gasps> playing with their hair and startling them. Oh. Oh, 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 right there that gives no. me the eb so rude that is so rude just find yourself to the other side now so he just likes to go around harassing the female guests yes oh son oh uh, one investigator gun. said that it felt like a web was pulled through their arm while in the basement and i don't even a what does web? that mean and do i want to know what that means i don't know but that gives me the chills a web because you know you know that feeling when you walk into a spider web it is the worst it goes through your arm gross and then there was there is an evp in the basement that caught that has caught the phrase can you find me (gasps) find me in a child's voice oh gross 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 (laughs) oh my 
gosh. There are said to also be ghosts at the end from the days of it being a funeral home, naturally. But here's mm. the kooky fact. They are said to be very territorial. Oh, great. So yes. you have a creepy kid ghost. <laughs> you have a harassing ghost of that harass the females. And now you have territorial ghosts who are probably don't want you there. Right, exactly. Oh, great. That sounds like a blast. One is said to be Sarah, a very depressed woman, but she's very motherly. But she's uh, territorial. Uh-huh. Then finally, most people report hearing laughter of a woman at 4 a.m. Oh, great. No, thank you. No. And to the point that it scares some guests so bad that they leave and never want to return. And you want us to stay there. I do. <laughs> so here's some other kooky and spooky things. The restoration crew during the, or the, not the restoration, the renovation crew during the 1980s stayed overnight in the home. They often heard odd noises. The doors opened and shut themselves. The table in the kitchen had been left behind. Come to find out, it was the old embalming table. <sighs> Who's hungry gross. now? Oh, gross. <laughs> no. Yuck. Cell phones are often said to power themselves off and then to just power themselves back on again. I mean, if they want to charge my cell phone, right. that, that would be great. You need to make a phone call? Audio and video recorders have been known to play by themselves. Drawers, of course, will slam shut on furniture. A high energy will suddenly hit guests and make them feel lightheaded. Oh, great. Picture frames. Oh, this is the best thing. Picture frames fall off the wall randomly. The most frequent one. Are you ready? No. Are you ready? No, I'm not. A personalized photo of one Lizzie Borden herself. What? Yes, they have a personalized photo of Lizzie Borden, and she's the one that falls off the wall the most often. So they have like an autographed photo of Lizzie Borden. Yep, her. Huh. How did they get that? That's what I, I want to know. know. I'd be hacked too if I like, if that was my house and I walk in, I was like, why you got this lady in here? Get her off the wall. <laughs> Guest eyeglasses frequently go missing from bedside tables and later appear in the downstairs parlor. So we're totally trying this when we go home or when, oh, when we go home, when we go there. The ghosts mess with eyeglasses? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so great. I, I'm blind. <laughs> I am literally blind we'll put, without we'll put, my glasses. We'll put my glasses. Maybe we'll put my sunglasses or something on it and see if it happens. I wish we could try it. Oh, man. Gosh, she's giving me the look. In 2018, two podcasters from The Okie Show and Tales Unveiled went for a tour. They found stacks of coins in the third floor closet where Irene is known to have played with Luker's son's toys. When Luker was asked about the $20 to $30 in coins in the closet, she had no idea what they were talking about. Oh, man. These same podcasters went outside and came back in. Shortly after, there was a knock at the door. One of them went to answer the door to find that it was locked and no one was there. Oh, good grief. They got locked out. (laughs) These same same people, they did a seance to see if they could talk to Irene. No. They did. No. They heard footsteps upstairs and a shadow peek around the stairs, small and childlike. Oh, gross. Irioki's podcast episode on the Stone Lion Inn Mm -hmm. seems to feature Irene's voice saying either go away or come play. You're supposed to be able to hear it a little after the 24 minute mark. I uh-huh. haven't listened yet because I didn't want to copy her info into right. mine. And between 2 and 3 a.m., guests have reported feeling that they were being tucked in or touched on their faces to wake them up. Oh my gosh. 
Guests complained to hear kids playing all night and keeping them up with children's footsteps clomping up and down the stairs. So if this sounds like the place you want to go, no, like it does to me. <laughs> For more info, reach out to the Stone Lion Inn on Facebook or on their website at stonelionin.com. We should all try to plan a weekend to go there. I really oh, think I would like to. I am to. all for the mystery dinner because I've heard like it's like you dress up like yeah, my to parents match have your done it. character. My parents have done it. They did it years and years and years ago. Uh-huh. I mean, probably 30 years ago or something. But yeah. Well, I know I know our moms took a sister trip yes. up there. Yes, yes. And I'm sure they probably stayed. I don't know if they did actually stay there. Well, not there, but oh, did yeah. they stay in a bed and breakfast? Um, yeah, I think so. I don't remember. I think huh. they did. I'll have to ask my mom. Yeah. If you are really, really interested in the Stone Lion Inn, there are so many podcasts. A lot of Oklahoma-based podcasts mm-hmm. who have done reports on it and a lot of not Oklahoma podcast. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of listed a few. There was no way I was going to be able to list all of them. Right. Just when you Google it, it's like, dum, 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 all these ones. <laughs> so only an Oklahoma show, The Crooked Key, Booze and Brews, and That's Why We Drink, <laughs> We Want to Believe, Erioki, Wine and Crime. Those are just to name a few of the podcast. And the list is too long. So chances are your favorite paranormal podcast has probably covered it. Yeah. And that, my friends is the Stone Lion Inn. Oh, well, I'm glad we saved you for the end <laughs> to compensate for mine. <laughs> Lack of <laughs> paranormal activity. Right, right. Oh, but. that one. Oh, I just, I want to go so bad. I just. I'm going to get scared out of my wits. I don't want to be touched. <laughs> I don't want to be touched either. And I don't want to hear your creepy laughter. And I don't want you to tell me to come find you or to go away or to come play. But then I kind of do. So I don't know. Anyway, yeah, if you would like to join us, you know, send us a DM on Instagram at Curious Cousins OK. You can email us at CuriousCousinsOK at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Curious Cousins Podcast OK. Okay. Nope. (laughs) Curious Cousins OK Podcast. We're on Twitter at Curious Cousins, okay, but Cousins is spelled C-U-Z-N. And of course, we are on all major podcast streamers like Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio. All the things. All the things. So, Jess, tell them what to keep it. Keep it kooky and spooky. Bye. Bye.